0: In our God, for we trust in our God, and through His unfailing love, we will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. All that is for We will not be shaken, we will not be shaken, we will not be shaken, for we trust.
1: Give the Lord a clap offering from your heart. Amen. You are good, Lord.
2: Be your disciple.
0: Lord. I'll seek it from the top once more. There's no place that I'd rather be than in your will, serving faithfully. Lord, teach me what it means to deny myself. Lord, I really want Lord, to pick up my cross. Without your Lordship, I'd be so lost. I truly want to be your disciple. Lord. God, I know. God, I know that you are my Savior and friend. But there's so much more that we never forget. That you are my Master and Lord. Call this to obey everyone word. Again, again, and again, and again. Oh Lord, I want to give You my life, give You my hurt and my sin, my pride. Lord, use me in the midst of my brokenness. God, I know. God, I know that You are my Savior and friend. There's so much more. Let me never forget. You are my Master and Lord Call to obey every word you say remain standing, and welcome to Harvest Community Church. Why don't you turn, turn to your neighbor and just welcome them this morning?
1: Yeah, so first a couple things. Um, actually, I, I don't know if you knew, but today is Jerry Campbell's birthday. So, since all the kids are here, let's sing her happy birthday. Ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday to you. Woo! Happy birthday, dear Jerry. Happy birthday to you. All right, thanks again, Jerry. You did a great job, all your staff as well. It made me tired just watching that video. Uh, we're going to dismiss the kids first. Uh, so let's go with the, the small ones, so pre-K, all the way down to uh, nursery.
3: Yay! It's good to see you guys. And Duane, it is so crazy what's happening in the world, and I really appreciate you exhorting us in that. And um, I, I think um, in the midst of that, it's isn't it interesting that we hear all these um, tragedies, and yet as Christians we continue to live. So this week we had sports camp, you know what I mean. So it, it's kind of such an interesting juxtaposition about life isn't it that we continue but we continue to figure out how do we live with god in light of that and so i i was really upset that this week i wasn't able to go to sports camp Uh, i had a lot of ministry and work responsibilities but but if you know me i love sports and the reason why i love it is because i think there's a lot that you can learn from it there's so much drama about sports have you ever thought about that just last month, um, we, um, we had the NBA playoffs and finals. Do you remember that? And then Golden State Warriors and all of us, you know, we, we know who the Golden State Warriors are. They won 73 games. And they were down three and one. And it's really against all odds that they would actually come back maybe to win it. And so we're all like, oh my gosh, you win 73 points, but you don't even go to the finals. What a tragedy. And so I remember um, I was, um, don't laugh at me, but I was at our student retreat. We had a student leadership retreat on that day. And so I drove out to Santa Barbara in the boonies. And so on the way home, it was the sixth game. And if they didn't win, they were going to go home. And, and so it was so exciting, but we couldn't find a radio station. So my friend Layla Wong and I were in the car trying to look for something that would talk about the game. And and I'm on the phone going, okay, Siri, what's the game? What's the the score? Because if they weren't going to win it, this is it. And I remember at one point my friend, this is how funny sports is. My friend Layla turns to me, she goes, you know, let's pray. Because, you know, Steph Curry is a Christian, right? And because he's a Christian, you know, God would be honored if he won. And I went, oh, Layla, you know, that's, that's nice what you said. There's some truth in it. But I hate to tell you this, but Kevin Durant, you know, OKC, Thunders that they're playing against, he's also a believer. <laughs> so, so you think about it, but the things that we do in the midst of being an looking for underdogs, and some of us are for underdogs, some of us are not, and so what's amazing is that they went on to win against all odds, the great comeback, as we talked about in the sports camp, against all odds, they came back and won and went to the, the, the finals with Cleveland Cavaliers, and they were up, and then they started going down, and it was Cleveland who went from three to one, and they were the underdogs. And it's interesting. People are saying, you know, LeBron James is one of the greatest players of all time. But you know what, This he's an underdog here. He ain't gonna win the, the finals. And when I think about that, I think, I think being an underdog is an interesting thing, isn't it? And even champions sometimes, like LeBron James, are mistaken to be underdogs. And there's a fact of feeling like, Uh, maybe you haven't been an underdog in your life, but I think you know sometimes how it feels to to be put in your place, you know, to be told that, no, there's no way you're going to make it. There's no way that you can come back. And so I want to start off our our worship in the word together and as a community by being honest with one another. And so I want you to turn to your neighbors, okay, and just maybe one person or two, and I want you to share and reflect over a time in your life when you felt put in your place. A time when you felt like someone was telling you, you need to stay in that place because you know what? You ain't coming back. Or you're an outsider. You don't belong here. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and just share about what that experience felt like. Okay, Be as honest as you can as we worship God in truth and honesty and in community. I want you to kind of share that with each other. What did that feel like to be on the outside or to be an outside or an underdog? Okay, you may not be an underdog in sports, but have you ever felt like that? Okay, so turn to your neighbor, and I'll give you a minute. Majesty. Wow. Servant.
0: Servant.
3: Judge. Judge. Good. Good.
2: Ultimate sacrifice.
3: Ultimate sacrifice. Okay. Okay. What was it? What is it? Thank you. Yeah, that's who Jesus is. And so as we continue, I want to focus on one aspect of Jesus. He's so much more than even what we said. And who he is changes who we are. And so let's pray. I want to pray for us. Um, Jesus, as a church, we come before you. And we long to see you for who you are again and again today. And so Lord, will you help us through your word, through our community, through your Holy Spirit, through my words, and even the absence of words. Will you help us to worship you as Jesus the Galilean. And as we worship you, will you help us to embrace um, who we are and our place in making a difference in this world. Oh Lord, help us to see you differently or the same, that we would see you clearly and that our lives would be different. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want us to do is talk about one aspect of Jesus in that he is a Galilean. I know, you're like, what? He's a Galilean. It's kind of like, you know, he's Chinese American or whatever, you know, he's Jewish American or whatever. He's a Galilean. And what I want to propose to us is that as we worship Jesus the Galilean, that we would remember who we are and how we related to him. But as we do that, we will take our redemptive place in this world as we know who he is as a Galilean. And so I'm gonna have you do some work because I know you know I'm gonna make you work. So let's stand up and I want us to begin, what we're gonna do is look through the scriptures just briefly. And then we're going to reflect and think about who Jesus is, okay? So if you have the the outline, we're going to read Matthew 4, verses 12 to 17. It's in your little outline in there on the bottom. You see it? Got it? Okay, let's, are you guys ready? Let's read together, shall we? So this is looking at Jesus. I want you to think about Jesus. How did he relate to Galilee? And how did he relate to Galileans? Okay, so this is Matthew 4, verse 12 to 17. Let's read together. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Lazarus, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake of the area Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah: land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond Jordan. The people the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Thank you. You may be seated. And I want to continue looking through chapter 4. So um, can I ask uh, Pastor Pastor Wayland to, to read? Continue on to look at how Jesus related to the Galileans or in Galilee, so chapter 4. And then Victor, can you read for us further in chapter 4? Continues on. Thanks, Victor. Thank you, Victor. So um, I want to take a minute. um, I want you to kind of pause and maybe look through the scriptures from that passage again, chapter four. I'm going to give you a minute. And then um, I want you to think about the question, how did Jesus relate to Galilee? And how did he relate to the Galileans? Okay. So why don't you take a second? Okay, you guys ready? What stands out? Shout it out. What stands out when you look at just this one passage, one chapter? What stands out about how Jesus related to the Galileans or the row of Galilee to Jesus? What stands out to you? What are some words or things that you think about as you reflect on this passage? What stands out for you? What was it? I'm sorry, what? Healing. Okay. So there's healing in Galilee. Thank you. Okay. Others. What stands out? Outsider. Can you explain that a little bit, Solomon? I like that.
2: What I mean by that is uh, the passage is quoted from the Old Testament here is a reflection of um, Gentiles and people not getting the message, not getting the light.
0: People
3: who Mm -hmm. uh,
2: are the fringes of the religious community.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Solomon, that's... Okay, I want to let that sit. It's really good. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I think that's really good. Maybe one more. What else stands out for you? Did you think about Jesus and how he related to the Galileans in Galilee? I, I really like I like what Solomon said, I think. Well, um, let me tell you a little bit about Galilee. Do you know that the first three Gospels are mainly the really take place in Galilee. Galilee is one of the three provinces. You know, there's Judea and Samaria and and Galilee. And um, even though it's one of three places, it has a very significant place for Jesus because he's from Galilee. He's Nazareth, right? He lived in Nazareth. And he lived there for a long time with his mother and his dad kind of supposedly died. Joseph died early. But most of his public and private ministry happened in Galilee. So he was a Galilean. It's very interesting, he was a Galilean. Of all the three provinces, when you think about Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, most of the Jews would think that the Savior would come from where? Jerusalem. And for for the Savior to come from Galilee is kind of like, oh, wow, that's kind of crazy, why? You know, why would would that happen? And what are the Galileans like? Well, they are what we call marginalized or liminal people who are outsiders. Um, Galilee is north of Jerusalem and Jesus was part of the south of the Galilee part. And more of the Galileans were oppressed geographically. If you look at that region from history actually since 750 BC it was oppressed and dominated by foreigners. People like the, the Syrians dominated this region. The the um, Babylonians and the Egyptians, they, they, they all dominated and took control of this part of the land. And it was a place where backward people were. You know, these people are backwards. They're Jewish people, but they're backwards. They're far from Jerusalem. They're not that religious. They are devout towards um, God, but they don't really know the laws, okay? And they're culturally impure. So the people in, in Galilee would consider it culturally impure. And Unlike Samaria and Judea, when they were dominated by other governments, one thing about Galilee was that they didn't even have their own people representing them to help them. So like in Samaria and Judea, when like other people dominated or, or you know, kind of took over, dominion over them, they allowed the local Jewish people there to kind of do something, the local people. Whereas Galilee did not have that. And so as a result... The Galileans were people who actually didn't have a strong sense of self and culture. These people really didn't have much. Um, they, they were kind of lost in who they are because of this geographic oppression. But economically, they were also oppressed. I love this. Can you imagine April 15? And you have to do three tax forms. Not three tax points. but three places that you're going to pay your taxes. They had to pay taxes to the temple tax. They had to pay temple taxes to Jerusalem because they're Jewish. They also had to pay taxes to Rome during that time. They also had to pay taxes to Herod. So economically, they were in a hard place. People were taking advantage of them, even though they were, there were some Jews there. They were oppressed and excluded, and they were second-class citizens. Like I love what Solomon said. I really appreciate what you said. It's so sad that financially, um, um, they, they were just in a hard place. And even religiously, even though they felt like they belonged to God, they were Jews, they felt very distant from Jerusalem. And they're devout Jews who didn't really know some of the laws. And they were devout Jews who felt like they were living in two worlds. They were living in the Jewish culture, but also this Gentile culture. So they were very much people who lived in more than one world. Like, I can relate to that as an Asian American. And so it got to be so bad that these people, what they did was, because they felt oppressed economically, even religiously, people were taking advantage of them, that Galileans, some of them took to banditry. They became like gypsies or bandits. And they, they resorted to violence because they were marginalized people. Because that was the only thing that they knew what to do. And so these were the Galileans. And this is who Jesus comes to and comes from. These are the people that he hung up with. These are the Galileans. This is what it, it is to be a Galilean. And so um, in John chapter 1, verse 14, you've heard this before. To me, it's the epitome of talking about <coughs> Galilee. It's talking about Lazarus. So in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? That is totally saying, hey, you ain't supposed to be here. You're not supposed to make it. You're nobody. Because nothing good comes from Irvine. Nothing good comes from where you're from. Nothing good comes from your story. And so these people were the epitome of being marginalized. They were the epitome of being the underdogs. And so that, when we worship Jesus, he is Jesus the Galilean, who came from Galilee and who came to Galilee. You know, it's amazing, the miracles that Jesus did, three out of four of them, happened in Galilee. The teachings of the parables, two out of three of them, it ha- happened in a language that Galileans can understand. And so there's a special place that Jesus has for Galileans, because he is a Galilean. And so what I want you to do right now is turn to your neighbor, and I want you to sh- kind of share with each other and reflect over Jesus, this, who Jesus is as Jesus the Galilean. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to think about what does it mean that Jesus came to Galilee Came from Galilee and that he is a Galilean. What does it mean to me? Okay, so why don't you turn to your neighbor? I'll give you about two minutes. So if anyone wants to share, as you kind of share with each other and reflect it over, the fact that Jesus, the Jesus we worship is a Galilean, what does that mean for you? What are some things that you shared with each other if you want to share with us? What does it mean for you?
0: I think it, it means that he can relate to, to all people. Mm-hmm. Thank that you. he knows marginalized society, Yes. marginalized people, mm-hmm. you know, people who are struggling. Yes.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. Yeah. He can relate to others. Yeah. What does it mean to you?
1: He's willing to use a broken, messed up person like me.
3: Mm-hmm. I love that thank you thank you Dennis. <clears throat> others what does it mean to you that Jesus is Jesus the Galilean as well what does it mean that he came to Galilee or came from Galilee what does it mean to you yeah You know what it means to me, thank you, um, Joanna. I think you know what it means for me? I was the girl that always felt like I was never good enough. I was not American enough, I was not Chinese enough, and I was never good enough in different things. Um, I was the girl that when I was in high school, my best friend, she's still one of my dearest friends, she's African American, and she and I were really good friends and she would go during high school, she would she travel to Japan, she traveled to Spain, and I would be back home in Detroit going, My life, I'll always be stuck in Detroit. Because that's for some other people and it's not for me. I always felt like what I did what I did was not good enough. And you know what it means that Jesus is a Galilean? It means that he understands me when I feel like I'm the outskirts, when my leadership can't look at me when I'm being passed over for a job. When people tell me, like, well, well, you lead pretty well for an Asian American woman, okay, what is that? Is that a compliment? Thank you, thank you? You know what I mean? When you feel like you're put in your place. Oh, like, well, you know, I know that's a position, but you know, you know. So for me, what it means is that he loves us. It's so like God that he doesn't come through Jerusalem in that way. He doesn't live in Jerusalem, but he lives in our world, and he can relate to us. It's so like him, the love that he has. Here is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Here he comes to our world to this world where people are oppressed, people who are said they're second-class citizens, to this world that uh, is put in its place, this is who Jesus is that we worship. And I hope you know how loved you are, that you are from Galilee. I know you're not from there, but in a sense, you are from Galilee, that you were from a far place, And people may have said, what's going on with your life? People might have said, will you amount to anything? Will you be a hairdresser? But you are different because you know this God who relates to you. And so I want to take a second, again, for you to, in your heart, talk to Jesus and worship this Jesus that loves you. So I'm going to give you a minute, and then I'll close in prayer, and we'll come back. Jesus, what a privilege to have the freedom to worship you and to worship you as our Lord, but to worship you as you came as a Galilean. Thank you for loving us so much that you cross heaven to come to our Galilee. Thank you for loving us that you came to our world and you came to realize who we are, and yet you still came towards us and live among us. Thank you for living with us, with all of our Galilean ways. Thank you for being with us even when we have felt like underdogs. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you went to the cross and died for us. I don't fully understand that, but thank you for that. And so, Lord, as we worship you as Galilean, will you help us to also make a difference in this world. Will you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I, I wanna say this. I wasn't finished, but that's okay. <laughs> maybe then we should finish. <laughs> this is cool, it's all right. All right, okay. You know what? <laughs> this is awesome. I've never had that happen, okay. Well, maybe just quickly, what does it mean that we worship this Jesus of Galilee? And and what it means is that we can also embrace who we are so that we can tell people about Christ, so that we can make a world difference. And so I'm going to ask Solomon and Mercy to read for us, and then we're going to read together as well. So go ahead, Solomon.
2: All right, <laughs> Harvest, listen up. be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he live. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid.
3: Thank you. Mercy? Thank you. And let me read Acts 2, verses 5 to 8. And it's in your bulletin, but it's missing one important verse. So I'm going to read it out loud. You can follow along if you want. Acts 2, verses 5 to 7. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed... They ask, "Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language?" You know what's amazing when you read the Gospels is that not only did Jesus do ministry in Galilee, he continued his ministry to the church around the world, and it's interesting that you know the Great Commission takes place with Galileans. The in fact the spreading in Acts 2, what you just read is that the, the people from everywhere heard the gospel in their own language. Through the Galileans, through people who were marginalized people, people who were underdogs, people who were second-class citizens, people who never thought they could they can make a difference. It was through that that the gospel reached to you and I, to the world. And so when we think about Jesus the Galilean, It means that he's the Galilee of the nations, that we could be that if we embrace who we are. And embracing even our own brokenness, I think someone said that, even embracing our own brokenness can be really important as we think about that. Um, I want to encourage you to think about in Galilee, you know what else is true about Galilee? It's a great commercial place, meaning that trade, a lot of trade happened there from around the world. Not everything was bad about it. There were some good things about the underdog Galilee. There were some great things there that if it was embraced could be used to bring the gospel to the world. And so location location location. You may feel like you're Galileans. You may feel like your life looks like Galilee. Location 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 tells you that God is here. In fact, God is the one that can enter into our pains and our sufferings. God knows how you feel. God knows the confusion, frustration, the anger. And as you embrace that, you can share that with others who are also Galileans, who are from other nations, who are from other parts of the world, who are from different culture backgrounds, African-Americans, Muslims. As we do that but we have to embrace who we are first and let Jesus heal the underdog in us. And as we do that, that would make a difference. My friend Brigine um, was born in Malaysia and she, um, at three years old, she came with her grandmother to the United States and um, she was the first in her family to come and they came as undocumented or illegal immigrants. And um, so she didn't even know that she was undocumented until middle school. It was her cousins who told her, hey, Brigine, you're illegal. And she's like, what? When she realized that, she felt so awful. She was like, what do you mean I'm illegal? And so she was so upset and, and even her mom would try to protect her and say, no, just don't tell anyone anything because we don't want to rock the boat. We might be deported, you know, just, just, it was so much shame as she shares her story. There's so much shame in being illegal, which is a horrible word by the way, undocumented Asian American immigrant. And so she, she was so distraught and so shamed of that. And it wasn't until in high school that she began to open her heart to Jesus and began to unravel some of the shame and the hiddenness and the secret of her life. And she began to be more comfortable as she realized that she was missing this Jesus who could help her with her pain, who can help her life, who can be the Lord of her life. So she gave her life to Jesus in high school. And when she got to college, um, she got involved in a campus ministry. And as she got involved, she, she was able to really be in a safe place in community like church to tell her story, to share how hard it's been for her, how, how scary it is to be an undocumented Asian immigrant. And in that safety of the church and community in the campus ministry, she was able to grow as she heard other stories and she was able to enter into her own pain and allow Jesus to heal her. And as a result, um, she started Epic Movement at another, at Queen's College. And it's amazing when I hear her story. You can hear her say, you know, I was really ashamed of the fact that I you know, was undocumented and was fearful. But you know what? God says that I could use this for his glory. Others can relate to me. As I talk to her, she goes, it's amazing, Margaret, how many undocumented Asians there are on campus that we just don't know. But now I'm able to help them our um, ministry was able to help them and pray and lead them to Jesus. And it was interesting. When she was in high school, she thought about, oh, my gosh, I hate my life. This is so scary. You don't have insurance. We don't have anything. It's always, you know, she doesn't have a license because you can't do that if you don't have you know, a license. You can't drive, you know, because you don't have a license because you can't have a license. You don't have insurance. And she goes, you know, what I'd like to do in my life is become an immigration lawyer. That's what she was going to do. But then when she got involved with us, she realized that God could use her story, her painful story, her underdog story, her Galilean story, and use it for the nations. And as a result, she says, no, I'm gonna serve this community, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus and also serve them. I don't have to be a lawyer to do that. And so she's actually joined us on staff and making a difference, not just to undocumented Asians, but also to others. And I love what she says, she goes, Margaret, what I realize is that there are people in our lives, just like the undocumented Asians and other students, undocumented people, who are in the shadows, and they're hidden, and we don't know their stories, we don't know their pain, and Jesus wants us to shine that light, to tell them about him, to live there and to serve people the way he did, to become like Jesus the Galilean. That's, that's really what we're called to be. What a privilege that we get to be Galilee to the nations. And so I want you to read Isaiah. Can you guys read that? In the, I'll finish then, I promise. <laughs> so the last verse. I, um, why don't you stand up and we'll read. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But the future, he will honor the Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Jesus, help us to make a difference in this world because you are Jesus the Galilean. That you call us to a nation, to others that need to hear about your love. Help us to embrace our own story of pain so that we can love others and be compassionate to them. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
1: Sorry, I confuse them. remain standing for the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. Please stay and have a time of fellowship and refreshment.